We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. March has arrived and we're only a few weeks away from the NCAA tournament. Make sure to head over to Bet Online and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, it's $100,000 and starting on March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action, and with multiple entries available, it's this season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong, so whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, BetOnline, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. The Lakers worked out a couple of dudes. We're recording this on Monday night. They worked them out in the morning and uh, afternoon. That's J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters, uh, both guys who the Lakers are trying out to fill the last spot remaining on the roster. They let go of Troy Daniels right before the buyout deadline, and... Uh, they're going to be trying out some guys, according to some reports, and those are the first two. Uh, we'll see if they've got more guys coming in, but that's what happened today. I, I, I want to start just talking about kind of the the nature of what the Lakers' open spot is in the first place. It, it's very easy when a guy's coming here for nothing, right? Like, hey, it's a free agent. Markeith Morris didn't cost us a pick like his twin brother, right? There's there's no compensation. So it's easy to be like, oh, that guy's available. Hey, Alan Crabb can shoot. Uh, this guy can defend a little bit. This guy can do that. Why not, right? It's easy to talk yourself into something when it's free. But these look like the two guys that were settled in on 
But we just cut Troy Daniels. We have an 11 man rotation as it is right now, which is probably at least two more than we'll use or we'll need in the playoffs. So my question for you, Darius, is what job do the Lakers have open in the first place with that last spot? They have an open seat on the bench. Mm-hmm. They have sort of a locker room guy and practice player. They have a mm-hmm. break in case of emergency player. So, for example, mm-hmm. the Lakers waived Troy Daniels the other day. They waived him on what day was that? Sunday? Uh, the first. East Sunday, um, yeah. They had a game that day. And Alex Caruso sat out with hamstring tightness. And suddenly they were a player short on the wing. So guess who played? It was Quinn Cook who played. And mm-hmm. so uh, the game before that, Danny Green sat out a game with like a sore hip. That was a game, I'm assuming if there was foul trouble or something else, maybe Troy Daniels would have played in that game against the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Troy Daniels has basically been playing when there's been foul trouble, there's been an injury, Or Vogel's just decided, hey, today it's your turn. You're going to get Mm -hmm. a shift. And if you have it, maybe that shift will be extended and maybe you'll get a second one. And that Mm -hmm. is the role that exists on this team right now. I think it's very easy just to sort of build on what you said earlier. I, I also think it's very easy for fans in general or even the national media can get caught up in this as well. Or even local media, too, for that matter. Me and you, too, right? Gee, everybody. All of us. Is that we look at the Lakers roster and we see the holes. We see the negatives. Right. We see what needs to be better in order to make this team as well-rounded as possible in order to compete for an NBA championship. And when mm-hmm. there's a player who could potentially be added, who maybe has some of those skills in their bag, you look at them as being, oh, that's a good addition. He can help them. Mm-hmm. The question, though, then becomes is, who do you displace in order to give this guy with the new fancy skill set some playing mm-hmm. time. The Lakers have, are actually trying to do this right now with Marquise Morris. He is sort of a mm-hmm. stretch power forward. They've tested him out as like the center in some small ball lineups where there's been no mm-hmm. center on the floor. They've said they're going to shift Kyle Kuzma to the wing some. So they've been experimenting with that a little bit. And they've been trying to carve out 15, 18 minutes a night for this guy where no minutes previously existed. And so they've mm-hmm. cut into Dwight Howard's minutes some. Um, they've cut into Kyle Kuzma's minutes some. The last two games that Anthony Davis has played, he sat for like nine game minutes consecutive, mm-hmm. which is like a 30-minute break right in the middle of the game. Like right. he could go and, you know, stream a Netflix show, right? Like, oh, I sure. hear there's a new Queer Eye. Sure. Let's like, let's pound yeah. that out, right? <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. Th- so when you talk about the Lakers adding potentially a Dion Waiters or a J.R. Smith, I think where you wanted to start with this really is the most important part. It's not how good they are necessarily. It's not even what they could do on the floor. It's, okay, well, how do you find him time? And, and so let me ask you, mm-hmm. the Lakers in theory need a guy like this, in theory. 
how would you fit him in or would you even make it a priority? So there's a regular season answer to this and there's a sure. playoff answer to this. The regular season answer is really what you're going for there. Those, I think we're, we've already started kind of the load management. Think of it strategically from big picture standpoint, last 20, 25 games, however many we got left. What can the Lakers accomplish during that time? They've got this stretch, I think starting this next game, where they've got seven or eight games against really good teams that I consider to be the playoff dress rehearsal. So I think that by and large, the Lakers are going to try and run their regular rotation, play everybody, not load manage guys the way they did against Memphis and New Orleans and even Golden State. And I, I, I'm thinking, this is just a guess on my part, they're, they're going to treat it as a dress rehearsal. This is what the playoffs could be like, a little preview of that. Aside from that, and this may even apply to that stretch, that's just an assumption of mine. Aside from that, the Lakers are too far behind Milwaukee for the best record overall to really make pursuing that worth it, right? Like you don't want to really push them and push them and push them to end up two games behind Milwaukee instead of five, right? They're also far enough ahead of the number two seed in the West to where they're sitting really comfortably for the number one seed and home court advantage throughout the Western Conference. So the last 20 to 25 games, I expect us to be okay, right? Because we're going to drop a few games because we're going to try and set everything up for the best possible outcome in the playoffs. The new guys that are coming in, whether it's Waiters, Smith, or somebody else, they can serve that purpose, right? Of coming in, they've got fresh legs, they've, they haven't played barely at all this year, not in J.R. Smith's case at all, and, and Waiters barely. Um, they can come in, just eat up some minutes, right? Have, so you can have Danny Green take a night off. Caruso takes another night off. Maybe KCP finally takes a night off, even though he's an Iron Man, right? All of these different places that where they can eat innings the way you'd say it mm-hmm. in baseball. I think that that's their, their value in the regular season. In the playoffs, when I look at Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith, as flawed as they are, when they're hot, yeah. They are something else. They are a couple of microwaves and they could heat it up real quick. So in the playoffs, to me, they're guys, I always want to see them get a shift in like the second quarter. Give them six minutes. Let's see if they got it going, you stick with them the rest of the game because those types of like when they get hot, they are, they're serious threats. They've got firepower in ways that Caruso, even a KCP, the, the other perimeter guys that we have don't, can't really get like that. Danny Green can get yeah. there, right? But most of our other guys cannot. I, I just want to see a shift from each of them in each playoff game to see if they've got it. If they don't, you keep going with what you normally do. So it's interesting that you'd be willing to commit time to them every single game. I would say you give it a couple of games per series, like at, sure. at the beginning, um, to, to see who's got it working. Uh, again, this is probably a little bit on the unconventional side, and they're going to be trying to go to eight and nine man rotations. And I'm talking about adding a 12th guy. I just think that they add a component offensively. Like, have you seen a couple of the buckets that, that Morris has made? Yes. That it's just really nice, like, Nobody else in our team makes that shot. Oh. Like nobody else has that triple threat jab step, step back, eighteen footer off the glass. Like that's a high, highly skilled shot. And, and like Waiters and Smith have some of those like professional shot yeah. maker type of things in them, even if they come. Yeah, with Morris even had a nice little like, oh, I'm posting you up now. I like I'm mm-hmm. getting you down to like six or eight feet, and here's a little jump hook. Like oh, mm-hmm. fantastic. Even. This isn't a knock on like LeBron's skill set, 
by any means, but like LeBron doesn't even shoot a jump hook. I can't think of one player on the team who actually even shoots a jump hook. And Mm -hmm. not that that's Mm -hmm. some super efficient shot or anything like that. Like no one wants to eat up post possessions within their half court offense, but sometimes- But sometimes it's the right shot. Sometimes it's the right shot with the right matchup. Maybe Morris is switched onto a 6'3 dude. Like there are times where, yes, having that capability is- Yeah, and, and so- So I definitely see where you're coming from in terms of utility and one more tool in the bag. Let's deploy that tool. If he doesn't have it, then you put the tool back in the bag. Okay, I'll try again tomorrow. I guess my only concern with something like that is to me, there is more of a likelihood that that type of fiddling around with the rotation causes disruption in terms of like ego and role and dissatisfaction Mm -hmm. than saying here is our nine to ten guys okay troy daniels you were fine you were fine basically sitting at the end of the bench you get your one or two shifts your 11 minutes a game every six or seven games i don't have troy daniels Mm -hmm. game log up but you you know right but that's but, what, but that's like, what yeah. his life was like especially in the last 30 or so odd games he he might have appeared in in a handful of games that were non garbage time minutes in in this mm-hmm. last or sort of half of the games that the lakers have played so my concern would be all right let's let's expand the rotation let's give this guy a shift that shift is going to eat into KCP's minutes, it's going to eat into Danny Green's minutes, it's going to eat into Alex Caruso's minutes. All of those guys are professionals. They're all fine. They've also been working their tail off for 60 some odd games in order to get the Mm -hmm. Lakers to the number one seed. A part of me is playing devil's advocate here, but I think it's not too much of a leap to say okay, like we're bringing this guy in and he's going to get an automatic role into something that maybe we didn't even necessarily need. Like from an insider's Mm -hmm. perspective, you could at least argue with Morris, okay, the Lakers were a little bit weak on the wing. They're going to give Kyle Kuzma some minutes there. Morris is going to- They get a little bigger. Yeah, Morris is going to eat into a little bit of the center minutes. Dwight Howard's a happy-go-lucky guy. He's not going to chirp Mm -hmm. anyway based off of his, you know, newfound just happiness- to be on a championship level roster and a high level contributor is adding one more guy who the expectation may be he has to play in order to be effective. Could that be problematic? It it could. It's also something that the Lakers are in kind of the driver's seat in that they would be signing that guy under the expectations. Yeah. Like, again, I think both guys are microwave type guys that I'd want to get run, but there are going to be games where like they, they don't. They have that Troy Daniels type role, right? And they need to be okay with that when they sign up on the front end. The reason why I think it's going to be waiters, aside from relationship-wise with Polinka as his former agent, Rich Paul as his current agent, um, obviously he had some apparently not great history with LeBron that uh, didn't last very long and, and he got shipped out. So I, I don't know enough about that to, to speak on it, but there are a lot of relationships with the people who matter in and around the Lakers organization with Dion Waiters. Aside from that, on the court, what is the most questionable element of the Lakers that we have to rely on? 
as presently constructed. I mean, in terms of just individual shot creation. Sure. So I, basically, I'm pointing to Rondo, <laughs> right? Is that sure. we're... Yes. But no, but you're right. You're right. But like Rondo's been bad this year. Even his biggest fans are not really touting like, no, he's actually been good. Everyone's saying, oh, I'll play off yes. Rondo, right? Now, mind you, Rondo has played 13 playoff games total since 2012. All right. So is that a the, lot? Like he had, that's not a lot. Uh, oh, no, sorry, sorry. It sorry. is not. We're going to play, let's hope to God we play more than 13 playoff games this yeah. year. All right. So yeah. Anyhow, the, the idea that playoff Rondo is a thing that we're going to, that he's going to morph into this guy that he was two years ago in New Orleans where he played great against Portland. I'm not going to act like he wasn't a stud in that series. He was. I'm just saying that how, like nine of those 13 games were that year in the playoffs. Every, like he, he really hasn't been in the playoffs. So it's extraordinarily optimistic to depend on Rondo. It'd be great if old playoff Rondo shows up. That's what we're all hoping for. Waiters can provide some of the ball handling necessary because if if Rondo doesn't work, Caruso is not the answer to that stylistically. Like if you need a guy who can dribble and create shots, Caruso is not that guy. Waiters is your in case of emergency break glass guy that you can give him the ball. He'd be the second best guy on the team at driving to the basket. From day one, he'd be second best on the team. So if we get into the playoffs and Rondo doesn't work, but you're too deep in to play different stylistically, waiters can come in and yes, he's more of a a shooter. He's not the distributor, but he's the guy you can give him the ball and can create offense out of that. So let's get into waiters then. Like, let's get into his skill set. The thing that I appreciate about waiters is that he can be a three-level scorer. He can create his own shot out of isolation. He can run a little bit of pick and roll and create a shot out of that way. He's not necessarily a passer mm-hmm. out of the pick and roll. He uses the pick and roll to get separation away from his defender. And Jordan Clarkson type. Yes, guy. Clarkson's a great comp, actually, for Dion Wader. Same sort of size. Waders is a bit sturdier in terms of build. Clarkson's a little bit more quick twitch and athletic, but mm-hmm. same stylistically, same type of player, or similar, right. at least. Waiters is comfortable bringing the ball up. He can run some secondary action. When the ball swings to him, he can be a spot-up player. He's a good spot-up guy, yeah. So a lot to like in terms of offensive skill set. He's not a super efficient player. You know, shooting percentages have been sort of blah. You know, he takes some poor shots. A shot pass decisions are mm, Clarkson-esque, mm-hmm. right? Sure, sure. That said, he is much more of a combo guard within the context of like, oh, you can sort of give him the ball and let him do some things. And like J.R. Smith has been in the latter part of his career. Now, Smith was very much that type of player earlier in his career, but on the LeBron Cavs, he became less of that type of player. And J.R. Smith was much more of a, like, run me off screens. I'll shoot. I'll shoot at weird angles. I will create some in isolation, but mm, not so much. So talk to me about what you've seen from waiters. The sense I get from you is he'd be the guy that not only would be the choice, but the guy that you would want. 
he he is but that's prefaced with saying both of the dudes we're talking about like so much is prefaced on like do they have their shit together in their <laughs> yeah. lives right now sure. right like like it, what is J.R. Smith doing with his evenings these days, right? Or or has been since November 2018. Yeah. Is he in game shape? Is he like ready to so so really it's gonna come down to like which one of these dudes is ready to go for a playoff yeah. run and ready to be in a position to not play for three games and then someone goes down with injury or something some foul trouble comes in on that fourth game and can produce. And so, so that's, you know, we could talk skill sets and all that stuff aside. That is going to be by far the number one thing that determines which one of these dudes they sign is who's got their act together right now. But in terms of the basketball skill sets, all of that, that, that shot creator put the ball in, in his hands. Uh, both guys have decent enough size to make us a little better on the wing, but waiters as he's gotten older from watching his tape today one thing i was surprised by is he's not that great of a finisher around the rim mm-hmm. anymore um he was never a great athlete but he was always strong one of those guys that would two foot jump and get his yeah. into you and you'd bounce off him and he'd finish around the rack he's not really that guy anymore injuries um, man he's injuries he's, it is it's in injuries lower legs, and older like and lower leg all of it. in injuries you you know he had that mm-hmm. really bad ankle issue that that basically took almost a year and a half away of his career like he played through something he mm-hmm. shouldn't have and then he opted not to have surgery right away and then i think he did have surgery and it just sort of put him out for a long time and i remember the heat were like When's this dude coming back? And it's one of the reasons why, like, Justice Winslow started to flourish as, like, a ball handler for them. And it's what led to them sort of drafting, like, Tyler Hero and, and investing in in guys like, like Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn, right? Like, there were a lot of personnel decisions that the Heat made that have paid off for them this season that really do stem from the fact that Dion Waiters was no longer reliable for them. And I want to say that was more like physically than, than it was like the sort of um, conduct detrimental type stuff that, that (laughs) he faced this season. Yeah, no, that's, that's certainly part of it. So he's not the athlete and finisher that he once was, but he's turned himself into a really good spot up shooter, which is something that the types of shots he hits, he's a similar shooter to, to Morris in that he can readjust his feet slightly to sidestep a closeout or just all these little things that helps you get up a little bit of volume that he, he would be, I think, pretty good alongside LeBron. And again, having those bigger bodies on the wing rather than those three guard lineups we've been running with the second unit with Rondo and Caruso. And we'll, we'll see how that's adjusted in the the playoffs, but just gives us another guy in that, you know, two to four position range size-wise that when you combine that with his ball handling, that's the that's the thing that puts him over the top for me, right? Because J.R. Smith's got decent size. He's a shooter. He's a tough shot maker, can hit step backs and all that. But Waiter's ability to handle the ball and create shot opportunities, even if it's like putting pressure on the defense that allows Anthony Davis to get put back. Like, let, let's be specific here with like yeah. where this yeah. matters. It's the non-LeBron lineups, yeah. man. Like those don't, those units do not create good shots. They just need one guy to start it. Like if, if the whole idea of if getting a good shot means that you have to do four things, I think the Lakers have 
like two, three, and four. They're just missing that first thing, which is the initial advantage creation, whether it's from a guy who's a great passer or a great scorer, but puts enough pressure on the defense to compromise it, draw a second defender for a split second. Now there's opportunity. Can he identify the shot pass decision? Do I shoot? Do I dish it off to an open guy? Waiters is a guy that's going to decide shoot more than pass, but even in doing so, if he's drawing the second guy, Anthony Davis starts to clean up. Kyle Kuzma suddenly has backdoor cuts available because people are looking at waiters because he's, you know, he's looking to score. So these are all things that that can happen out of it. But that is where a guy like waiters would be more valuable, whereas I think Smith would be more valuable in LeBron type lineups. I agree 100% with that. And, and this is something that if you go back a couple of pods and and listen to our discussion about basically um, creating advantage, Waiters is a guy who is deemed a threat by defenses. And he's he's deemed a threat because he is consistently aggressive in looking for his own shot. And that has... A bunch of benefits. It also has its detriments. But on the benefits side, Mm -hmm. it does sort of draw the type of attention that I feel like some of the Lakers' other finishers could benefit from. Anthony Davis in terms Mm -hmm. of going to the backboards. Kyle, Kyle Kuzma in terms of going to the offensive glass as well. Even if Waiters makes one or two more pass decisions instead of shot decisions, that initial step that the defense takes towards him does end up creating advantage, especially when you if you surround him with the types of ball movers that the Lakers can surround him with on the second unit, right? So like KCP, as much as we've sort of been up and down on him, he will make the extra pass. Morris has been someone who I did not know. Yeah, it's nice, I did man. not know really that nice. he was this sort of willing passer and a guy who could who could see the pass as well, right? Like not just make the pass, but see see the pass. I had commented on Twitter about that sweet entry pass he made on that deep post seal that I think was it AD or was it Dwight? No, it was Dwight. It was Dwight. And Dwight gets those all the time. I actually kind of crack up because Dwight really gets good deep post seals and we miss him like 60% no of the even time. Looking. And he's been a great, he's been such a good soldier about it. Like he's just like, ah, again, like, but he moves on and, and moves on to the next play. But yes, having, I could make that freaking high low pass is, is wonderful. He like, like Morris stepped, he did a crossover step. So he cro- he stepped his right foot across his left and had his arms out. I'm, I'm, pantomiming to Darius. None of y'all can see this, but both hands like out yeah. to the side and made that pass around yeah. the guy. Right. Uh, and, and to get it in and they drew a foul on that, just like little stuff like that. There's opportunities on the floor, but it takes both the passer and the recipient to be able to identify it. Dwight's been getting these deep post seals for much yeah. of the season and Morris is making yeah. that pass. So yeah, man, just little stuff like that. It's like one, two extra points per game, but it no, adds and, up. And so if you surround a guy like Waiters with enough ball movers, I feel like when he does draw advantage and he does kick out, put him on the floor with Danny Green. You put him on the floor with Alex Caruso. You put him on the floor with Morris. You put him on the floor with Anthony Davis, right? Like you could go on and on about guys who who could help him 
And if he has buy-in to what the Lakers are trying to do as well, then you could actually see something. Like, it's certainly intriguing to me, the idea of Dion Waiters like, oh, okay, like, you're off the street. Like, you can come and play a little bit for this team. Like, he's certainly, and this is no shade towards Troy Daniels. It just is what, what he is. Waiters is just a much better player than Troy Daniels. He's a much better basketball player, right? Like he may not be the shooter that Daniels is, but he does everything else better. Just everything. Yeah. And there's, there's some defensive value there, right? Like he was a better defender when he was younger, but kind of that just bigger dude who knows what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, Yeah. Just that more size on the wing. A body type that he sort of has is you could plug him on the Houston Rockets because he has a Houston Rockets. Oh, he has a Houston yeah. Rockets body. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that stout. Yes. Right. Yes. He has that Eric Gordon body, right? Uh huh. PJ yeah. Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> Thick two C's. <laughs> so that's where too, like he could hold up a little bit in terms of switching. There's a lot that he's capable of doing, and he was effective for the Heat when he was healthy. He has not been healthy. And that's been a problem for for him. And this year, look, man, like, I'm not making excuses for waiters. He's made mistakes. And (laughs) reportedly, he sort of owned up to some of those mistakes when speaking to Lakers management, right? Which is, you know, good interview tactics for him. I'm, I'm sure he was briefed beforehand about the right things to say. That said, the Heat are maniacal about conditioning. Deion mm-hmm. Waiters was not in the best condition when he came into camp mm-hmm. this year, so he didn't play, and he got told, like, you need to get in shape before you come. And then whatever role he was going to have got taken from him mm-hmm. by players who were ready when their numbers were called. And the Heat are not going to show allegiance to this past guy who has had some issues with them. They're going to move on quickly. Mm-hmm. And right. waiters did, that's and waiters did not respond well to that. And I bet if you asked him, he would say that that's exactly what what happened to him. And so, could this be if the Lakers do sign him? Could could this be sort of a new lease on life for him? Sure. Could it also be something yeah. that yeah. goes sideways quickly? Sure, it could be that too. You and I both had very strong opinions about Dwight Howard and serious doubts about him. And Mm -hmm. it took a Mm -hmm. long time and a lot of minutes and a lot of shifts for him to sort of gain the type of trust that he now has. And there's not a lot of time left for Dion Waiters to get that. Now, the one thing that I'll say that makes it a little different than Dwight and why it can work on a shorter timeline is the important people here know Dion Waiters. Rob Polinka was Dion Waiters' agent. Rich Paul is Dion Waiters' agent. Yeah. Right? So, like, that's, there's no like, oh, is Dwight, like, we don't know Dwight that well. Where's he at mentally? And I sure would hope that Rich Paul and LeBron James and Rob Polenka, that they have an idea of where he is mentally, especially Paul and, and LeBron, because they're actively with him right now and seeing what he's going through. I, I guess where I'm sitting is if he can convince LeBron, who reportedly did not have the best time with him. Uh, Rich Paul's on his side no matter what because he's his agent. And Rob Polinka, if he can convince those three guys that this is the right thing for the Lakers, because all of them have a vested interest in this working out. If, if he can convince them, that's good enough for yeah. me. Whereas 
you know, somebody from on the outside, like that they don't have a relationship with, it's more guesswork. So I, we've done a lot of kind of not even intentionally really selling the idea of Dion Waiters. Where do you stand on J.R. Smith in relation to this? I, I mean, I guess I'd be okay with Smith if J.R. Smith and Dion Waiters had both been playing basketball this year. I might actually lean towards Smith. He has more of a track record with LeBron James. He has finals experience and big game experience. He had a couple of big memeable moments in some mm-hmm. of those big games, but J.R. Smith has played at the highest levels and gone through multiple playoff rounds and long playoff runs in meaningful games. That matters to me. Mm-hmm. J.R. Smith has not played professional basketball since November of 2018. Right. Like, right. It's about that, a year That's and a, half a ago, long yeah. time, man. That's just a long time. And to think that you're going to have that type of layoff and then come in and, and like be game ready. Right. Like, right. That gives me pause personally. And again, and again, how do you think he spent the last 18 months being off? And no, no, I mean, hey, live your life, yeah. right? Like, like good for him. But, but if that dude is waking up at 6 a.m. to go work out at the gym in case his phone rings, I don't know, man. I, like, it, it, it's hard to, it's funny, like in, in the conceptualization of this, it was like, yeah, this is a interesting decision that they have. And maybe there's more stock to be put in that additional experience by Smith in that, uh, you know, playing alongside and thriving alongside LeBron, having a shooter, which he's a better shooter than Waiters is, although Waiters is probably kind of underrated as a spot up guy. because He's kind of transformed himself over time. But that there, man, that layoff, all, all that time off it is all going to come down to who has the their act together yeah. the most right who's who's ready to go from here on out but that long that long of a break man compared to waiters who has at least played a few possessions this season and been on an nba team uh that's you know i, I think that that really tilts things in favors of, of him Wrapping up r- real quick, man. Where, so, are, are you on Waiters Island? Is that where we're? If going it was with between these? those, well, those two, sure. Even if you throw in Crab, I would probably lean towards Waiters at this point. Like, mm-hmm. I just would. I'm not yet as convinced as you are that he would be deserving of like an immediate role with this team. Yeah, and that's that's just like that's the type of guy that he is like if you're going to get value out of him yeah. it's in that microwave type of role but he would have to earn yeah, that for and sure so but if it were me i would i would probably do my due diligence on on all of these guys and strictly from a layoff standpoint i would probably lean towards waders yes like i don't doubt that smith is in shape that he's been keeping up and working on this game and and everything else, I just do not think that you can then translate that to like NBA basketball without actual game reps. And there's just not enough time for me to say like, oh, he's going to get there. Right. Yeah, That that's pretty much what it comes down to. All right. So put us down for two on the dinghy to Waiters Island. Uh, you'll, you've been listening to the Laker Film Room Podcast. We will catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Campbell in and out. The ball is tipped. 
and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. An amazing performance by Kobe. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans well, sticking around it. for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you That's kidding it? me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple and a fall away in the corner with a shot clock down. Lakers by three. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two. One. Missing. Brian, yes, and that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?